0: Once again, welcome to Trace Church. We could not be more thrilled that you have joined us this morning, and um, here it is. So much planning and preparing and praying, so much sacrifice that has gone in to this church, and here we are, a grand opening, and you guys are with us, and we're so, so thankful that you took the chance, or took the, ch- yeah, took the chance on us, really, that is true, um, but actually took the time out of your day to come and celebrate with us. I, do, I did want to give you um, an idea of who's in the room right now. We've actually had 27 people move up here from Arizona because they believe in the mission of Trace, and we've also got people that are just visiting today from Arizona because some of us know a lot of people down there. That's where Corey and I came from, a church down there. And so if you're here from Arizona right now, can I hear from you? Where's the Arizona guys? Yeah. All right. We've also had uh, two incredible churches that have partnered with us in big ways, both financially and also sending us volunteers to help this, this church get off the ground. Those two churches are Sunnyside Christian Church and Academy Christian Church. And so if you came from one of those two churches, can I hear from you this morning? Where are you at? Awesome. Awesome. Now, I also want to take a moment, and we've got a camera back there, and if you guys will allow me really quick, I just want to look in that camera and say, I know that there's so many people that are going to be watching this online, and I know you wanted to be here, but you couldn't, but what we want to do right now, collectively, everyone in this room, is just applaud you for your encouragement, your prayer, even financial support, so can we welcome them into this room this morning? Awesome. And I do want to tell you one story. I could tell you so many stories, but I'm going to tell you one. Several months ago, I was flying back to Kentucky to do some fundraising for this church, and I sat down beside this lady, and she later told me, and this is an important part of the story, that she wasn't supposed to sit beside me. At the last minute, they said, Hey, we need to change your seat. Would you be willing to sit by that guy? And she was like, No, he looks weird. I don't want, no, she didn't say that, but. Um, So she sat down beside me. We had started a great conversation about our faith, and I talked to her about Trace and the mission and vision of this church, and uh, she became a financial supporter of ours, and she actually flew out here for the grand opening for Kentucky this weekend, so that was really cool. And then I want to say one more thing, because there's a lot of people in this room right now who love this state and who love Colorado Springs and want to see the hope of Jesus Christ penetrate the heart of everyone in this community. If that's you, can I hear from you this morning? Because that's why we're here. Awesome. Well, guys, we are starting a church. We are starting a story today. We begin to write the story of Trace Church. And it truly has been our hope from the very beginning that God would write you into this story with us. And if I can extend uh, that analogy a little bit further, let me foreshadow for you a a bit the kind of church that we want to become. You see, the story of this church is going to be one filled with transformed lives, with people who watch their hurt be turned into hope, people who watch the broken pieces of their life be turned into something beautiful, where people's lives get redefined as God takes their pain. Don't miss it. And he turns it into purpose. We're going to talk a lot about that today. Our story is going to be one filled with images, images of people setting aside their own agenda, setting setting aside themselves so that they can make their life about other people and serving other people. Let's park on this idea of images for a second because I've been thinking about images all week and the images that I would be seeing this morning. And I think the old adage is true, Uh, a picture is worth a thousand words. And what I'm seeing right now, I'm never going to forget. I'm never going to forget. And so, one of the other things I've been thinking about this week when it comes to images is how sometimes images leave a lot more with us than just words, don't they? I mean, you couldn't just use simple words to describe them because some images, they surface emotions. They surface memories. They even take us back to specific places in time. And I think we would be remiss today if we didn't talk about this image. Fifteen years ago, I bet you remember exactly where you were. Because some images take us back to exactly where we were. When we heard about them, when we saw them. They surface emotions. They surface pain. Regret even at times. And this picture does that for me, and I bet it does for you. And it also reminds me that my freedom is not free. It does come at a cost, and so does yours. And so if you're in here today and you've ever served in our armed forces, can I personally say thank you? Thank you for what you've sacrificed on my behalf, on all of our behalves, even your family. Thank you for what you've sacrificed. Yes. Now, I've never been in the armed forces, but when I was younger, I was convinced that I was going to be. And there's an image I'm going to show you in a minute, and it reminds me, it takes me back to a place when I was around seven or eight years old, and I was convinced that I was going to be in the military because I wanted to be this guy. I remember going and buying the Rambo hunting knife. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah. And in this Rambo pocket knife, it wasn't a pocket knife. This thing was massive. I'm surprised it was legal. And on the end of the Rambo pocket knife, you could unscrew the compass that was in there. And inside were some matches. And I remember even adding a Band-Aid to the little compartment in this knife because I knew one day I'd have to cut a bullet out of my side like Rambo did. And I needed that Band-Aid to stitch myself up. And I also knew, I I remember asking my mom to go buy me an M16 BB gun, which she did. And I was ready to take on any bad guy that came. I wanted to be the defender of every woman in my neighborhood. And especially this little girl named Kelly Phelps. I remember Kelly Phelps. And I was ready to defend her, whatever was necessary. And I kind of pictured myself this way. And if you can't see it for those of you, and... I knew one day that I was going to jump out of a helicopter and come wading out of a a pond or a lake with a black bandana around my head. And so, hey, we can dream, can't we? Speaking of images, some of you guys are never going to be be able to get that out of your head. (laughs) I apologize about that. What about this image? Right? Yeah. Hey. Maybe when you see this image, you're reminded of the Super Bowl 50 champions, And maybe you're reminded of what you're doing at the time where you were watching the Super Bowl or maybe what you shouldn't have been doing, just saying, just saying. Maybe you're reminded of what you want to be doing during the next game. I'm reminded when I see this image that I better become a Broncos fan really quickly around here because if not, I don't think I'm going to be welcome back in this state. So images are often more than words, aren't they? they? They leave us with more than simple words. And sometimes images, they take us back. Sometimes images give us hope for the present and sometimes images make us think about the future. This image does all three for me. When I see this image, and I bet when you see this image, you're reminded that Jesus died on a cross for your sins and my sins, and you should because he did and I think about that too. But when I see this image, I also think about the future. And the reason why I think about the future is because one day he's coming back. Yes. And it reminds me that even though I'm witnessing all this pain and suffering in this world, when I watch the innocence of little children be taken from them, I beg God, I beg God just let's just call it now. Let's just call it now. And I'm reminded of the hope that we have because when he does come back, all that pain, all the suffering that we see and that we feel, it'll be gone. And all things will be made all things will be made new. But what do we do until then? What do we do until he comes back? Because I don't think God wants us just to sit around and wait, does he? And that reminds me of my next image. I wonder, I wonder what people will think of as we write the story of Trace Church when they see this logo. This is our logo, by the way, if you didn't know it. I wonder what they'll see when or what they'll think of when they see this image. Maybe they'll see the image on a sign. Maybe they'll see it on a bumper sticker on a car. Maybe they'll see it on a tattoo that somebody gets. I actually got mine last week. It's in a little bit of an indiscreet place, but let me, no, I'm just kidding. I was just messing with you. Maybe one day, I don't know. Maybe I'll get one, but what will people think? What will people think when they see this? More importantly, what will people feel? It's been my prayer that they feel reassured when they see this logo, that they feel hope. It's my prayer that people are reminded when they see this that there's a place where they can go no matter how much they've screwed up in life, where they'll be loved, truly, and be loved on. That's my hope for this logo. But the only way that they will feel those things is if the story that we tell together is one filled with images of us actually doing things that extend hope, that make people feel reassured, that show them, yes, no matter how, you, how much you've messed up in life, you are still loved in this place. We have to write that story if that logo is going to remind people of that. This is why our mission statement is this, to leave a trace of God's love everywhere we go because we want people to be reminded wherever they see us, that it's not just about what happens within these four walls. It's not just about what happens in this room, but it's about what we do outside of this place. And so I want to take a moment, and I actually want to describe to you what our logo means. You see, when you see this, this is a play sign. And a play sign is a call to action for us as a church because we don't want to sit on the sidelines. Until Jesus returns, he does not want us to sit on the sidelines. He wants us to get in the game. He wants us to be a church, a people of action. And so that play sign reminds us that we've been called to action and action. As we go, these dashes represent the traces of God's love that we hope to leave behind. Because maybe one day, that person that you never thought would darken the doors of this church has something happen to them, and they begin to look. And when they begin to look, they quickly start to notice where those traces are. And they can follow those traces into this church, a place where they can be reassured, a place where there's hope a place where they're going to be loved and loved on, no matter what's happened in their life? Friends, the answer has always been love. It's always been love, because love never fails. It doesn't. But in order for us to get this right, we first have to define what love is. What is love? And unfortunately, so often in our culture, love is hijacked, by our culture and made to take on new meaning and things that maybe were never meant to be associated with love. And so, what I want to do this morning is I want to I want to park in one particular chapter of the Bible. It's in First John chapter four. If you have your Bibles with you, I would encourage you to get them out. You may have an iPad, you may have a phone, you can get those out so you can follow along with us. We're going to go to First John chapter four and we're going to begin in verse seven. If you don't have your Bibles with you, uh, we're going to have the words up here on the screen so you can follow with us. Here's what John says in verse seven: "Dear friends." Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Now, the argument could be that love may not even exist outside of God. We'll save that debate for another day, but very clearly here, with as much clarity as I've ever found it, we read that God is love. He is love. Let's pick up in verse nine. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but don't miss this guys. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is incredibly important for where we are going. God's love is made complete by our willingness to actually love other people. Can you imagine what the completeness of, love, of God's love would do to this city if all of us started to write that story together? Are you starting to see why it is so important that we leave traces of that kind of love all over this city? Let's pick up in verse 13. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. What does this mean? It means that God's love infuses our lives. It penetrates our hearts and it fills our souls when we make Jesus the leader and the Lord of our life. And when we give him our life, he gives us himself. It's crazy, but he gives us himself, his spirit to live inside of us. Don't miss it. And that means everywhere we go, God's love exists inside of us. Like we're actually carrying it with us everywhere we go. Meaning when you put your faith in Jesus, you became a trace. You became a trace of God's love. And that love was never meant to be kept to ourselves. It was meant to be left with others. And here's the incredible part. Here's what I'm learning. If we will actually leave that love with other people, it actually gives God more space to fill, fill us once again with his love. That's what I'm learning. Are you seeing and starting to understand why the mission of this church is so essential to be a trace of God's love everywhere we go? Now, before this can happen, you do have to hand over the keys to your life. You have to start letting God write your story. Maybe you've had the pen in your hand for far too long, and you know that. Some of you know that. You've been trying to write your own story And it's not really working out, is it? It's time to hand God the keys to your life. And I remember when I did that, I remember I'd made enough stupid decisions in my life and caused enough pain and heartache because I was trying to write my own story. And for me, it landed me in jail at 19 years old with my second DUI. And I knew I was done, I was done. I'm done trying to write this story myself. It's time to hand over the keys. And I remember the shock on the inmates' faces that were in there with me when I broke out in song, Jesus, take the wheel. No, I didn't do that. I did. Some of you guys were like, I'm not coming back to this. <laughs> the rest of the story's true. The rest of the story's true. <laughs> that would have been awesome. It really would have been. No, I didn't do that. Guys, some of you know it's time. You know it's time. It's time to start, stop writing that story yourself. It really is. And so here, here's what I want to extend to you today. After this service, we want you to stick around. We've got uh, tons of food and stuff that's coming, bounce houses for your kids. We're going to have a big party, big party. But it pales in comparison to the party that will be literally thrown for you. Literally, the Bible teaches this. If you'll give Jesus your life. That party pales in comparison. So I want you to know, whoever you are, I will make myself available today. I don't care what else is going on. If you want to give Jesus your life today, I want to talk to you about that. Because I know what it feels like to be on this side of the cross, what many would call living in the luxury of sin. And it doesn't even come close to comparing what it feels like to be on this side of the cross when you've actually given Jesus your life. So if that's you, please come find me today. Let's pick up in verse 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how we know love. There, here comes this word, these words again. Love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. So how is love made complete? In this world, we are like Christ Jesus. So if love is made complete in us, if we're like Jesus in this world, then what is Jesus like? I can assure you that every single person in this room right now, no matter if you've grown up in church your whole life or you've, this is completely brand new to you, maybe it's the first time you've, you've come to a church, you've heard something inaccurate about Jesus. You have. And sometimes those, you know, whatever that is, bad theology is what we call it, uh, those things can really mess with your perceptions of who our Savior really is. And so what I want to do in kind of an unconventional way this morning is I want to take an opportunity to talk about the character of Jesus just for a bit. And again, I'm going to do this a little bit unconventionally. And what I want to do is I want to first read you, and this is all going to make sense, so stay with me. I want to, I want to read you 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And this is a, what, what many call the love chapter. And we're going to do something with this after I read it. But here, here's how it, how it reads. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but actually rejoices with truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. Always perseveres. Love never fails. So here's what I want to do. If God is love right? We just learned that together. If God is love and we know Jesus is God, then Jesus is also love. So what we can actually do with this chapter is we can replace the word love with the name of Jesus. And my hope is that you'll start to see some character attributes of Jesus. And whatever you've learned up to this point, if it doesn't line up with what you're about to hear, can I ask that you just get rid of it? Because I know some of you are still carrying those things around and I've had enough conversations with people to know that you've had things said to you underneath the banner of Jesus, underneath the banner of God, and those things, if any of them left you feeling hurt, if any of those things took away hope, if any any of those things that were said to you underneath the banner of God or Jesus, if they left you feeling empty, I need to look at every single one of you today and tell you that wasn't from God. It wasn't from God. And so... As I read through these, maybe there's something that's going to jump out to you, so I really want you to dial in right now as I read to you who Jesus really is. Jesus is patient. He's kind. He does not envy. Jesus does not boast. He's not proud. Jesus does not dishonor others. He's not self-seeking. He's not easily angered. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. For those of us that have been in church a long time, sometimes that one's hard to swallow. Jesus does not delight in evil, but he rejoices with truth. Jesus always protects. He always trusts. Jesus always hopes. Jesus always perseveres. Jesus will never fail you. I want to give you a moment to look at those because I've got a feeling that one of those is jumping off of the screen, not at you, but for you. So just look. And friends, if God's love is made complete, if we're like Jesus, no matter what we've heard in the past, maybe it's time that we start over. Here's a good starting place for all of us on the character of Jesus because God's love is made complete if we actually do these things. I want to read one last verse to you in 1 John chapter 4. It's a verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. What is perfect love? Because I want some of it, especially if it drives out fear. Well, believe it or not, we've already discovered it together this morning because we learned if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Complete love, perfect love. We also learned that this is how we know that love is made complete among us. In this world, we are like Jesus. Perfect love. God's perfect love, his complete and perfect love, it drives out fear. You know how many times it actually says in the Bible to fear not? 365 times. That's one for every day of the year, including leap year. And if most of us are like the rest of us, which you'll hear me say a lot, I know that we all fear something, don't we? We do. And the message that I think Jesus is trying to get across to all of us is this. Let me replace your fear with my freedom. Let me replace your fear with my love. And if there's no fear in love, and if our fears are actually often caught up in our own failures and brokenness, maybe it's time that we revisit our failures and brokenness. And I actually want to do that this morning because friends, we believe in this place that God's love will take the broken pieces that all of, exist in all of us and he'll actually bring them to life. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to talk to you about my own personal brokenness. And to do that, I need to say this first. If you're looking for a perfect church or a pastor who's got it all put together, keep looking. Because I'm not all put together. But I am being put back together. And our invitation to you is that we want you to come and be put back together with us. So here's what I bring to the table. I bring... Two DUIs, possession of marijuana, drug paraphernalia, concealed deadly weapon, attempt to elude an officer, possession of alcohol as a minor, trespassing, open container as a minor, and I'm just warming up. It's important that you know this. I'm not proud of those things. During that season in my life, I hurt a lot of people. I'm not proud of them. And we should never be proud or celebrate the brokenness in our life. We should never celebrate the sin in our life. But we can, don't miss this. We can celebrate how God wants to redeem it and how God will redeem it. I've been celebrating that in my life for a long time. Our team is learning. Our whole team, those guys you met up here earlier, they're learning. And we're all learning that God can take the broken pieces of our life and do something beautiful. That's the story. That we're going to write at Trace Church. And so let me give you a, a short list of some of the things that our team, those guys you saw earlier, some of the things they bring to the table depression, child abuse, rape, abortion. Amputation, PTSD, bipolar, drug and alcohol abuse, pride, anxiety and panic attacks, insomnia suicidal thoughts atheism That's what we bring to the table. We don't celebrate these things. We're watching how God can take the broken pieces of our life and do something beautiful. Here's our invitation to you this morning. We want you to bring your list up here too. If you're willing to write your story into the story with us, we want want you to bring your list up here too. And I know that some of you walked in here this morning and maybe you said, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? I don't belong here. My hope is that you're learning that most of us are like the rest of us. You belong here just as much as I do, just as much as anybody on our team does. And so my hope is that you'll bring this up here, but I know why you have those kind of questions because here's, here's what I've learned. We have a very smart enemy and our enemy wants to say, these things define you. These things are what should keep you out of church. These things are what should keep you from ever telling somebody what's really going on in your life because if you did, they wouldn't love you anymore what the enemy is trying to say. You're defined by these things. And Jesus said, whoa, 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 whoa. You're not defined by these things. I died on a cross so that you wouldn't have to be defined by these things. Jesus says, you give me these things. I will shoulder them. I already died for them, but here's where I don't want to get super spiritual on you because what sometimes churches say is Jesus will just take it all away and it's, it's gone completely. We know that's not true the consequences of our actions, the pain that was experienced in these things. Yes, Jesus died for them, but they still surface at times, don't they? But here's the most beautiful promise. In all of scripture, Jesus says, I'm actually gonna give them back to you. And the reason I'm gonna give them back to you is because I'm gonna show you how your pain can become purpose. I'm gonna show you how the broken things in your life can be turned into something beautiful. And the reason I can say that with so much conviction is because I've lived it. And I'm watching all these guys that are doing ministry with me that you got to meet earlier. I'm watching them live through it. And I don't ever want to diminish that these things are still painful in your life. I know that. But don't ever miss this promise. It's in Paul's letter to the Romans and he says... And we know that God causes everything to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. My paraphrase, God can use all your crap. He can. Some church people in here are like, can he say that? (laughs) He can. And the reason I can say that with so much conviction is because I'm living it so our invitation to you is bring your list. We don't want you to come in here and act like you're somebody that you're not, that you know that God can't bless the person that you pretend to be. He can't bless the person you pretend to be. So go ahead and bring whatever reality exists in your life, all the, na- the nastiness, the brokenness, the messiness, maybe some of the things that have kept you out of other churches because you were afraid of how you were going to be received. We say, bring them to the table so that we can write this into the story of our church with us. Not because we're gonna celebrate these things, but because we're going to watch the broken pieces of our life be made new. So that's our invitation to you this morning. Bring your list. And what I'm gonna actually do, and this may be weird for some of you, and that's okay. I'm gonna put this table, this black table, so look at it. I'm gonna put this black table out in the lobby after the service. We'll put some blank pieces of paper, and if you wanna write out some of the stuff that you bring to the table and you can turn it over so nobody else reads them. That's fine. We'll make sure nobody's out there reading them and just turn them over and bring your list because God just doesn't want the best parts of you. He wants all of you right here and he'll use all of you. So what happens when we do this? When we do this, not only do we leave traces of God's love all over this city, we leave unique traces of God's love all over this city. Because God's going to take your specific brokenness, the things that have let you left you hurt, and he's going to show you how you can extend hope. What is going to happen when this city is filled with unique traces of God's love? Hope. Can you see it? Can you see it? Because I can. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite Robin and the worship team to come up here, and I'm going to have Robin lead us in one of my favorite songs, And in the songs, it talks about how God takes the brokenness, the broken pieces that all that exist in all of us, how He brings them to life. And so as you listen to this song, I want you to be reminded that one day he's coming back and I will be made new. But until then, let's get beyond this fact that we don't think we have it all together because none of us have it all together. Most of us are like the rest of us. So let's take our brokenness, all of it, write it into the story of trace and watch God do something beautiful. Let me pray for us. Father, here we are. Father, all the planning, preparing, sometimes panicking, that's gone into this church, I'm so thankful. And Lord, I pray that those that came in here today, I know there are some people that didn't even want to be here. Maybe they were invited by a friend, a family member, a neighbor, and they did not want to be here. They were dismissing that they could have ever added any value to a church, that they could have ever added value to your kingdom. God, I pray that all of that has been dismissed this morning. No matter what has happened in their life, that you And your promise is that you'll take it if we trust you, if we trust you, and you'll do something incredible with it. God, we know that means that our pain doesn't go away. We know that means our suffering doesn't always go away. And that's where I want this church to carry one another's burdens. And I know we can't do that until we're transparent, until we actually put it on the table and say, this is reality for my life. And then all of us come together recognize that none of us have it figured out none of us are perfect and we help carry one another's burdens father would you write a story through trace church that all of us look back on and just say wow it's your church god pen's yours thank you for allowing us to be a part of it i pray this in christ's name